Hey, eavesdroppers, welcome to Flapping Our Lips. Just three sisters talking about random things. And we invite you to eavesdrop on today's conversation. So, ladies, this week I had a really interesting conversation with a friend, a really good friend of mine, who has been kind of like struggling in the role that she's been in for like the last year and a half, two years, you know, just really not being able to settle in, finding comfort in in that role. And, you know, so we met for lunch and just straight out of the blue, she I was like, hey, so how are things? I know, you know, I know it's been a struggle. Are you, have you put things in place to kind of like make this a better situation for you? And she was like, well, I didn't know how to tell you this, but I tendered my resignation. I nearly fell off my chair because that was the last thing I was really expecting to hear from her. And I kind of asked her, like, why? Why did you make that decision? Did you do you have did you find something else? Are you know, are you going to try a new career? What are you doing? And she was like, Well, no, I don't have anything else. I'm just, you know, my mom needs a lot of help. Uh she lives in a different state, and I'm just gonna go there to help her take care of some family business, and then I'm gonna take some time for myself. Which I was like, okay, that's cool that you could do that. But did you think about FMLA? Did you think other options? And she was like, no, this is what I want to do. So ladies, what do you think? I think that that is like so far from any thought I would ever have. If any of my parents needed help, I don't, I never even consider that I have the luxury with the exception of Family Medical Leave Act to take off to take care of some things and then take some time for myself um, and just up and quit a job. It's just not even something that I feel is available to me as a woman of color or people of color typically just don't feel comfortable doing that for various and sundry reasons. A, you don't leave a job till you have another. Um, you know, B, I need to eat and have food and shelter. And even if you have a little bit of savings, you're hoping you can get another job of the same quality. And maybe you're not going to get that opportunity. So there's just so many things that rattle through my head as to why I think that's just so far-fetched and abs- absurd. And her, her parent is not sick. Is that correct? No, she's not sick, but she was like a primary caregiver for a spouse with dementia for many, many years. And so, so that... Hmm, so theoretically, she could not take Family Medical Leave Act, and this is just to help with affairs, meaning that there must be some kind of wealth behind that statement that I have to help with my mother's affairs. Pinkies <laughs> up. Well, it's, I mean, <laughs> property. There, I guess there's property in the family. Properties. Plural. <laughs> You know, I, you know, my and friend has all, me as rich. All, uh, you're coming in all uh, right-eyed <laughs> and bushy-tailed and with naivete. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> She's going to live off them property, properties. <laughs> well, that should never struck me as, you know, rich. But when I heard this, it was the first I had heard that. So I was a little like, oh. Okay, you know, it must be nice, but um, and that's not a person of color, right? It's not a person of color. 
Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I think that's, um, you know, the benefits of even if the person is not wealthy, having some sort of generational wealth that makes it feasible for, for you to have that option. I, I too, that would not have uh, come to mind that, oh, you know, my parents need help. And in part, probably I really hate this job. So I'm out of here. And, you know, I do know you, I, I do know your friend. I don't know her well, but I know that she has hated her job for a while. And so maybe she was just at, at the, at the end of her rope. I think I'd have probably stuck it out till I found something else. Me too. I don't know that I am brave enough to just say, uh, I'm out of here and Me either. I'll, I'll figure something out. But you know, I think in this season of COVID, there's a lot of people who are making that choice. Like, uh, this is, I, I, life is short and I don't have to take this mess and I'm out of here. And, uh, maybe that's just a little bit of what she was considering as, as well. Um, sort of on the flip side, I also had a conversation with a friend who called to tell me that she, uh, she didn't leave her job. She was invited to leave in all actuality. But, uh, the reason why I bring it up is because, um, she was a person that way overstayed being at this particular job. She said she was treated poorly. She was called names. She was asked to do things that were not a part of uh, the job description, including planning birthday parties for the owner and and their mom's funeral. And she says she never would say no. She just kept doing it because she was afraid she couldn't find anything else. And And that's the example of a person of color who just kept hanging in there until they were invited to leave. And it was probably just the best thing for her. Uh, it's not e- That's not an easy thing to go through. Uh, but just as you know, uh, a very different experience that that she had, and a, a different same outcome, but a different way that that needed to happen. She didn't have the luxury of saying, "I'm out of here, and I'm going to do something else." Because um, wow, that's 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 so hard to hear that someone is essentially abused on the job and asked to do things outside of their job description um, without any additional compensation and yet they feel like they have to take it. And I think, you know, you feel so afraid, marginalized, you know, just, wow, I I can't even believe that you feel like you have to put up with that treatment and you just go to work probably feeling terrible every day. And then they ask you to quit. That is crazy, crazy. And, you know, the interesting thing is if you if you were to meet this person, they're the, they're a strong of mind individual. So it is. It was so challenging for me to hear this person so vulnerable and feeling like they had no choice but to live through this experience, which is vastly different than someone who, you know, I. Yeah someone who is um uh has the resources that they can say hey i'm out of here just very different yeah and, and, i mean we play different roles though i'm sorry we play different roles in different areas so even if she was strong of mind outside of work sometimes in the workplace you don't feel that strength you don't feel empowered this is how you make your money so you take on a whole different persona just to essentially survive 
So, you know, the, the, the interesting thought that came to me is, I believe I know the friend you're talking about because I think I know that person as well. And, you know, when I think about my friend and your friend, you know, I would never, my, my friend never strikes me as that strong, empowered kind of person, you know, standing up for themselves, advocating for themselves. That's just not who they are. And so I, you know, it's interesting as we talk about what you do as a person of color and as a non-person of color. And it's just so striking that she is not a, it's, she's not a very strong standing up for herself, but she, she came to this decision of I'm walking away. I am done. I am, I am finished with this. I, I, I see no resolution in me staying here. So is it just that black women, we just need to just always be so strong and stay in situations that are uncomfortable and unhappy, but our counterparts, you know, can just be like, oh, no, this isn't good for me. I'm out of here. I think we are, it's cultural. And I think that we're, for so many reasons. I mean, it's it, it's just part of our DNA in terms of how um, we've always been caretakers. We're always supporting, helping, part of being a person of color that you just, you're always, you're in a situation where you don't always feel as though you're able to get away with certain things that others can get away with. And it could be as simple as on the job. I can see people, you send them an email, they're like, oh, I didn't see it. It's six weeks later. You ain't seen my email? Like, excuse me? You know, you just feel you always have to be on your A game. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's or, or you have to work, right? You, you How else are you going to support yourself if you don't work? So we don't have these opportunities Many people, we're a first generation, I'm a first generation American. Um, You know, our parents came here with $45 in their pocket and made it. And we went to college. We're really first generation children who went to college. And we all had to contribute to our education in order to get our degree. Part of getting a degree for me was I had to have student debt. Right. So back to your point of generational wealth, you may not be rich, but you're able to have properties. People of color weren't able to have properties because they were redlined. They were um, not given the opportunities to own houses. And that's how a lot of white people got their re- their um, wealth by being able to own homes and then using that money to leverage and send their children to school, et cetera, et cetera. So we come out saddled with debt, they come out with no debt. And then now the playing field is uneven. So now not only do I need to take care of myself, but I need to pay off the student debt. And so you're behind the eight ball. So I could see why, you know, a person of color may say, oh, I got to stick with this job because I got this student debt behind me and I got to eat. Like that's a stress making. I mean, does this person even still have hair? That they went yes. through this crazy stuff <laughs> on the job, and you know, I would be ball headed, put it ball headed, put it <laughs> or pulling my hair out. Well, let's let's you know, th- this week we all witnessed um, uh, Judge 
Ketanji Brown Jackson oh. going through her um, Supreme Court tribunal process. And this is a woman whose credentials are above reproach. But yes. yet and still, she had to be, she was, she sat there and with grace and composure that only the good Lord could have offered her the, the strength to, to survive, um, went through a process that was absolutely, as far as I'm concerned, disgusting to have to witness and disgusting that it was not about her skill, her ability, or any of that. It was about all the political things that we use to discredit people. And I, I am pretty firm in my belief that if she were not a woman of color, she would not have been treated so poorly by a lot of men in particular. It was awful to see. And, you know, that was on public display. There's a lot that very similarly happens to women of color in the workplace of all different backgrounds, black, brown, Asian, um, LGBTQ that we do not see. Um, and it, it, it is, um, you know, it is indeed harder for uh, some people to be able to make the move from the stability that employment brings uh, to them. And, but, you know, we, we just will always have to work harder, be smarter, jump higher, run faster, all of those things, uh, and, and hope that we'd be treated uh, fairly and respectfully. But one thing I will say about um, uh, the experience of the friend that I um, mentioned, her treatment came at the hands of a man of color. Um, and so it probably was not about my pearls. Oh, yes. It, <laughs> I, I do not even think that was about being a woman of color. It was about gender and power and influence. Oh. Um, and so, um, uh-huh. you know, it's not uh-huh. always about race. In this case, I, I think it was about gender more so. And uh, I just felt awful um, for her. Um, but she's a smart person and, um, you know, she'll land on her feet. You know, all that says to me is really and truly as women of color, we, we really, you know, we really need to applaud ourselves. We need to advocate for each other as women of color, because there's just so much out there that is trying to stop us from achieving the the excellence that we we are able to do. And when we do it, um, we are placed, as you said before, a tribunal of men who don't who are looking to discredit us more than praise and 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 you know raise us up. So as women of color, you know, it is crazy. We're we're working against you know, non-women of color. We're working against, you know, the the institution of, of, of the white man. And then on top of it, we also then have to battle with our own men for our place of at the table with respect and dignity. I, mm, 
I, I applaud you know, us. We are, we are you know, awesome. To your point of regarding Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, you know, if you look at her record, she is the, would be the most qualified, the most and indisputably, if you her, indisputably. And if you compare her record to Judge uh, Barrett, Amy Comey Barrett, yep. yes, and what she went through, she only went to uh, she was a Supreme Court clerk. And she was on a court of appeals. Kataji Brown Jackson did that. Public Defender Sentencing Commission, District Judge. She went to public high school, Ivy League school. I mean, as you said, undisputably, and that's in comparison, she checks all those boxes. No other person sitting on the court has that level of background. And I think that what you say um, what you said about just her treatment. I mean, I couldn't even watch it. It, it. I could not even watch it. I can't even watch the news clips. I can't. And as you said, the style and grace by which she defends herself, I couldn't do it. I'd be rolling my eyes like, excuse me. Uh, I might walk out. Uh, I answered your question, you know, I, I mean, this this woman is very remarkable, and I'm not I'm not that nice that after when we come outside and you would try to speak to me and say good job, I'll be that. Oh, it'd be on and popping because the cameras are not rolling at this point. It's just, it is so disgusting to see that, so disgusting. And they are representative of so many people who just don't understand and don't want to acknowledge that this is just based on her experience and this is just what it's about and not about her color. And they just cannot get past that. And the fact that she's a woman. I, I'm, I'm a, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm speechless on this one. This is, and they still say, oh, I'm not, I'm not supporting her. Oh, I'm not voting for her. It's, it's incredible. Just, it just shows that no matter how far we come, it's still always at some place and some point comes back to gender and color. It's, it just always comes back to that. You know, we're all, we're, the fight never stops. The fight for equality, gender equality, um, color equality, r race equality, you know, it just never stops because the people who are making those types of decision still look like the people who made those decisions 10, 15, 20, 30, 50 years ago, you know? So, so it is, the, the fight is just always on. And again, I say, I applaud, I applaud us as women of color who, you know, you, you persevere and you show that grace and dignity and respect for yourself in front of those kind of biased and bigoted people. So, you know, I, I think we, the one thing that we always have to remember is that um, we have to work collectively, uh, regardless of our background, to um, make sure that everybody has a seat at the table and that it's a respectable seat at the table. We don't in many cases, have the power and influence. Katanji Brown-Jackson was invited to the table because Joe Biden invited her to the table. 
uh, and he thought it was important for um, a marginalized community that to be represented in that setting. And so I think it's important for us to always remember that we, even if you're not a person of color, that you have a role in helping to support other people of color um, who are different and making sure that their voices are heard because um, doors will remain closed if we're not all all a part of the conversation. Um, but it has to be respectful. You have to acknowledge that people are smart and talented and skilled um, and not let your personal um, objectives get in front of what is good and what is right. And I think that's what I see in um, that experience of Judd Jackson. Um, it's what I see in the experience of, of my friend. And, um, you know, we just all have to be able to work together to, to make this possible because otherwise it will always be a struggle. You know, I, I definitely, I completely agree with you. And I think it's, what is also hard is that um, the collective group have to acknowledge that they have these types of thoughts. And if you don't acknowledge it, you can't change it. It's like, you know, any any issue that you may have, a personality issue, a, an abuse, um, abusive items, alcohol, food, drug, you have to acknowledge you have a problem. And I think that many people don't think they have that problem or they're not looking at it from that lens because I have a woman who's a friend. I work with a person of color. I said, good morning. You know, there's a lot of things that people can do to feel like, hey, you know, that you're not talking to me. It can't be me. And they don't see themselves. And I think that um, that takes a lot of courage and that takes a lot of um, thought and will. And many people in this country don't have that. And I definitely see it uh, with my husband and his line of work. It's a field that he is one of very few. And it is like, you know, he's always remarking, you know, he can't even believe it. He's a smart guy. And it's the field is just saturated with others who, you know, they're smart, but he's like, you know, it's unbelievable that people of color just can't get into this field. They can't be in this area. And it's because, you know, it's, there's a lot of money to be made and they just don't necessarily share those experiences with people of color because either you think they can't do it, they don't deserve it. Um, they don't know what to do with it. They must be a charlatan. You know, there's so many things that come with that. Well, that sounds like a, a great opportunity for another conversation about is it what you know or who you know uh, and who invites you to the table? Because uh, a lot of times that's what it's about. Absolutely. So with that thought, I'm going to say thank you for eavesdropping with us today. New episodes drop every Wednesday. To share your comments, say hi, recommend topics, or ask for advice, reach us at flapyourlips at gmail.com. That's F-L-A-P-Y-O-L-I-P-S at gmail.com.